The scripture reading today is from Genesis 1, 14 through 19. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be light in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. The word of the Lord. It's clear. So here we are uh, in the fifth Sunday of Eastertide, and uh, as we've been talking about, we've stepped away from the Revised Common Lectionary uh, for these weeks, the season of Eastertide, to look at beginnings, to look at the seven days of creation through a different lens so that you can see in your life what's coming, where you've been, where you are, and where you're going, and so that we can get a sense as a church of where we are, where we've been, and where we're going. There's a great sense among many of us that God has some stuff for us. And so we want to be faithful in looking backwards and looking forwards and being present where we are. So we're in the series of beginnings called Beginnings. Before I get to that, it is Mother's Day. And I want to tell you that five or so years ago, um, I got to a place in my life where I felt like it was too limiting to call God just He. It just was too limiting. It was true. God is absolutely fully masculine. Good, good father. Absolutely. But that I didn't see in the language anyway um, the feminine characteristics of God presented in our language. And if it's true that in God's image we are created male and female, we read in Genesis 1.26, then we have to have a more robust understanding of who God is. Amen? And so... Uh, I began to only, this was probably more than five years ago, I began to only use uh, the word God for God. So I would say God and God's self, and then God created the day, and then God created the night, and I never said he. And that was okay for a while. And then I realized that was limiting. You know what I mean? Because then it was like God was becoming non-gendered, and that's not true. God is fully masculine and fully feminine. In some mysterious way, God is both. And so... Here's what I want to say about that. In the Bible, there's lots of metaphors for God. God is rock. God is strong tower. God is a mother hen. God is a life-saving warrior. All those things are true. Amen? And you don't have to, you really don't have to be where I am at with this. You really don't. If, if, you, if God is Father and that is good, Hang on to that. Amen. But if you feel like, I want to explore some other metaphors for God, it's very scriptural and biblical to look at those other metaphors. Maybe you want to sit in the fact that God is a tower for a while, into which you can run and find refuge when you feel scared. If you have, you know, pain with your mother, you might want to look at some of the ways that God might mother you, right? Right? And if that feels scary or whatever, like, ah, just put that aside. Put that in a box, lock that box, put it away, put it in the car, put it underneath the, and just save it for later. But if that's helpful for you, then check that out. As I said last week, we have this 
covenant affirmation called freedom in Christ, which means we extend to one another freedom to have different opinions on debatable matters. We could talk about it, but let's live into that. So happy Mother's Day. Yes? All right. Second thing is, we're in this invitational moment in our life of our church where we're turning three, which means we're losing all of our outside support, and which means I'm inviting you every week until June 5th to just consider your giving. If you haven't become a regular giver at Genesis, consider that. Consider how to regularly give. Giving online is the best way to go, but you don't have to. Uh, If you are a current giver and maybe you just got a 300% raise, it happens. Doesn't happen to most of us, but, you know, consider where Genesis fits into that picture, okay? Everybody in it together on that one, too? Boy, it would help, be helpful for me to get more of an amen, to get a verbal amen in that, because we are in this together, right? Okay. So let me pray, and then we will dive into day four. God, thank you so much for um, your spirit and for your generosity and for your grace, for where you meet us, where we're at. We need you. We need you to lead us and guide us. Amen. All right, well, day one, we read in the scriptures. On day one, there was chaos. There was darkness, inky blackness. Day one is the time where you get fired and you don't know where you're going. Day one is where your mom just died. Day one is where the cancer diagnosis just came in. Day one might even be where you got that promotion and you got that 300% raise and you're sitting in that office and you realize, is this all there is? That also might be a kind of chaos. And in day one, God calls us to see God and each other and ourselves in a new way so that we can move ahead into the future that God has for us and for the world. So some of you are in the middle of day one. And you just need to name the chaos. Tohu vavohu was the Hebrew phrase that some of you got tattooed on your arm. <laughs> in day two, we read that an expanse was created, rakia. And that expanse was like being hammered out, being expanded so that we can support the life that will soon be growing in us. We're taken out of our comfort zones, but we're made larger so that we can carry the life that God has embedded within us. It's a lot like a pregnancy. It's uncomfortable. But we say yes to it so that we can give birth to life. And then in day three, we yatsah. That life comes out of us. We find the seeds of life that God has buried deep within us, and we let them out. And the future explodes with life. And that, my friends, day one, day two, day three, is the cycle of life in the scriptures that we see over and over and over again. It is no coincidence that Jesus rose again on day three. You see it over and over again. That Jonah was in the belly of the fish for how many days? Three days. On the third day, Yatzah. The future was born. The life was born. But you have to go through days one and two to get to day three. We hate that. We want a nonstop flight to day three. We want to live in day three constantly, don't we? I, I do. I want to just have a nonstop day three. So when day four comes, we're going to learn how to live in the tension of days one through three. Day four is going to teach us how to process 
day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, the new beginnings that God has for us. And so some people ask me, like, okay, Genesis, I get it. You're all about new beginnings. But it it can't just be about new beginnings, right? And I want to say yes and no. Yes, it's absolutely always about new beginnings. But day four is about how we learn how to live into those new beginnings season by season. How do we survive difficult times and how do we lean into times of joy? So Genesis 1.14, as Claire read, God said, let there be lights in the expanse, in the rakia, in the dome of the sky, to separate day from night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So first, all play question. If you're new at Genesis, all plays are designed to hear the voice of the chorus, not just the solo. What is created on day four? Sun, moon, okay, excellent. Stars, excellent. Days, excellent. Thanks, Jonathan. Time. All those things are right. But time was created on day four. Time. A sense of the sun and the moon passage. We see that right in the text. To separate the day from the night, let there be for signs and for seasons. And the word for seasons is a Hebrew word, moadim. Anytime, and moad is season, moadim is plural for for season. So anytime you have an I-M on the Hebrew, that's the plural, moadim. So uh, the word moadim means the appointed times, the seasons, the sacred seasons, and the set feasts. So there was a sense in which, yes, the stars, the sun, and the moon were created on day four, but also this way of marking time in season and out was created on on day four. So if you were a good uh, Jewish family in the time of Jesus, or even now, you would celebrate three major, major feasts. The first one is Passover. Passover. And uh, it, it happened this year right around Easter. In Passover, faithful Jews would remember that God delivered them from Israel, from Egypt, from slavery, into eventually the promised land. So Passover is a time to remember that light was called out of darkness. Passover is a time to remember day one. The second major feast is Pentecost. That's coming up. And Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. It's a time when we remember that God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And it's also the time when the first fruits are harvested in the spring before you know how the harvest is going to turn out. First fruits. That's what the first fruits are. The first, the spring harvest, when you don't know how the year is going to be, when you don't know if the summer rains are going to come, when you don't know if the fall harvest is going to be good or bad, you bring a stock of grain to the temple as a way of saying we trust God, we believe in God, we need to be expanded by God. And so Pentecost is another kind of day two where we're expanded. And then tabernacles. Uh, does anyone live in a neighborhood where in, in the fall uh, people build little, uh, little huts outside of their house? Anyone? Anyone live in St. Louis Park? Here we are in St. Louis Park. Those are called suko or tabernacles. And during, uh, during Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, it's the fifth day after Yom Kippur, which is the Jewish New Year, you remember the wandering in the wilderness. And it's a time of actually 
Uh, it's the harvest festival. It's the time where you bring in the harvest and it's a time of joy. It's time to celebrate that we're no longer in the wilderness and that God provided for us manna in the wilderness, but now God has continued to provide for us uh, everything that we need. And that's a kind of day three. So the set times, the set seasons, the Moedim, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles are another way of seeing days one, days two, and days three. And so as we look at the seasons, I think as followers of Jesus, we're going to go through at least four seasons in this cycle of day one, two, and three. And the easiest way to think about it is to associate it with our seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. And I think during winter, we wait. During spring, we hope. During summer, we experience abundance. And during the fall, we experience loss. So in the cycle of day one, two, and three, you're going to experience waiting, hoping, abundance, and loss. And the invitation from God on day four is, can you live in the sacred season in which you find yourself without wishing it away? Can you soak out every beautiful moment out of the season in which you find yourself, even if it's the painful season of loss? even if it's the despicable season of waiting. And when you're in the season of abundance, can you live in it without fearing that the other shoe is going to drop? So let's look at those seasons one by one. In the winter, we wait. So I'll play question. Just, just emote. What does waiting feel like? <laughs> Thanks, Claire. So much energy behind that. Stupid. What else would you add? I agree, by the way. Boring. Boring. Thank you, sir. What's your name? Benjamin? Benjamin? Yes. Boring, says Benjamin. I agree. Painfully long. Thank you. Like it's never going like to happen, Avram. Exactly. Ooh. Like before... We get that thing they're waiting for. The worst thing is going to happen. Anticipation. There is a sense of anticipation in the waiting period. It's not all bad. What did you say? That it's not going to end. What's your name? Elias, you're totally right, man. So during winter, we wait. And we need to remember something as we wait. Now, um, I've talked about this many times, but Mary, now, we have, now we're full of kids. <laughs> now we have a quiver full of boys. Our quiver is full of boys. But there was a time when uh, infertility was our story for seven years. And that's just part of our journey. And it was a, the longest time. It felt lonely. We felt exposed. We were angry. We were stressed out. We couldn't plan anything, any vacations, you know, because you're always doing the, doing the math on, well, if you're pregnant, then you can't do this. Or, well, if, you're, if you travel, Steve, then you won't be here during the sacred times. <laughs> Don't want to miss those sacred times. Um, so what do you need to remember during, during winter? There's a psalm that I love, Psalm 13. And I, I get the sense that David, if he wrote this, um, he took off the filter. 
And he, this is what he wrote, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light, where is he? Day one probably. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And if you know the Enneagram, David was for sure a four on on, on the Enneagram. Uh, Dramatic, you know. Anyway, love that. I love fours. I'm surrounded by fours. I must love fours. I must need fours. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. So there's this phrase there, but I trusted in your steadfast love. That's the very next verse. But I trusted in your steadfast love. The word steadfast love is the Hebrew word chesed. It means to be merciful or to be kind. See, there's a gentleness to God with those who wait. There's a gentleness. God sees you and God knows you. And God sometimes doesn't answer you about why you're waiting. But God holds you in God's tenderness in his tenderness. So winter, if you're in the season of winter, you might want to just write down Psalm 13. Psalm 13. Then there's the season of spring, hope. In Minnesota, we're right in the middle of it right now. But it started kind of early this year. It started in like early April where it was 48 degrees and we brought out our flip-flops and our shorts and you know, the feet were looking nasty and ugly after a long winter, but you didn't care. You're going to wear those shorts anyway. You're going to wear those flip-flops anyway. Um, hope is not blustery. It's a whisper. It's the opening notes of a song. It's the drip, drip, drip of the snow melting. The season of hope is lilacs. They're just here for two or three weeks. But man, if, any, if you've ever, you know, right now you're smelling those lilacs, that is hope. That is spring. I got permission to share this story, but Danica and Matt Peterson, their little daughter Sloan, three years old, she's had a brain tumor. Many of you guys know that. Um, and gosh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, you guys, I was in the hospital with you, and it was not a good day, not a good season. Uh, we were really, you know, are we in loss right now? Are we in waiting? And so we prayed together, and little Sloane was, she was going from very out of it to like telling jokes. <laughs> it was so sweet. And, um, and then um, I follow their CaringBridge site, and Danica wrote this, um, we've had some good news lately, that the tumor is now 15% smaller, like smaller to the naked eye. And this is what Danica wrote, and again, permission, she gave me permission to share this. She can't guarantee the doctor that the tumor will keep shrinking because science is weird. I'm going to write a book called Science is Weird. But she does expect that it will. The shrinkage rate will probably slow, and this drug might never kill the tumor completely, but we are on a positive track. So we'll stay on the current medication schedule for another three months and see what happens. And then she writes, it's pretty weird to have good news. Most of our news has been bad. And now we kind of know what to expect medically for the next three months. Fairly non-eventful clinic visits coupled with fairly easy pills at home. 
Someone once asked me if Sloan's brain cancer made Matt and I stop making plans. I guess it's a thing that happens to people going through traumatic experiences. And yes, we fully realize that it has. We've talked about how it might be fun to go to this restaurant. It might be fun to take a weekend to go here or there. But most of the time, the idea seems as foreign as talking about a trip to Mars. I mean, I know people might do it someday, but it probably won't be us. Plans, especially more than three days out, have often seemed like a recipe for failure. I used to be good at plans, but lately I've had to be really good at not having plans. But now it's like a new world has opened up. I can see beyond noon today, a place my vision has been halted for a long time. I can see the future, at least until early August, that we might make some plans in that time frame. They probably won't be crazy plans, but there just might be plans. So Sloan is doing great. Matt and I are very happy, and we're working on understanding the vast array of emotions we've gone through today. And when I emailed back and forth with Danica about, hey, do you mind me sharing this story? I think it's so great. It's our community. Um, she, you know, she said yes. And then um, she said, do you remember in the hospital? And I did remember. But she goes, do you, do you remember praying for Sloan? And then I said, you know, this is weird because I don't get these very often. But I go, I go, I have a vision of her running through the field with a dress on. It's my vision. And when I... Um, um, when I got the email back from Danica, she sent me a picture of Sloan running through the fields in a dress. And um, she goes, I didn't even remember until a few days later, but that's hope. Hope is not blustery. Hope is a whisper. Hope is drip, drip, drip. Hope is lilacs. And when you're in it, you have to savor it. Amen? But you need to remember Psalm 27, 13, and 14. Write this down. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. Psalm 27. Now we have the summer season of abundance. I think this is one of the hardest ones for us to actually receive because we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, around where I live, I go on these trails, and um, there's this one trail that I run on, and every year for the last two or three years, I mean, it's like spring, and it's beautiful, the flowers are blooming, and you know, the smell outside right now is just gorgeous, hyacinth and lilac, and it's just, it's awesome, right? And we're getting sunburned, and it's, it's just incredible. It's like, we are alive right now, is what it feels like. Here we are, alive, breathing. And there's this person for the last two or three years that has taken a big chalk, you know, a big chalk with him or her, and written on the um, path in several different spots, this angry note, pick up your dog poop, exclamation point three times. You know, it's like, I, I get it, you know, yeah, I mean, I've stepped in some dog poop. You know, but part of me wants to say like, seriously? Like, we got Syria happening, we got crazy stuff, and you're super fired up about that dog poop, man. You are going to let your abundance fry and die because some dog poop on the path. <laughs> They're like, seriously? You live in a house with air conditioning, with Wi-Fi, which means you can communicate with Mars, and you're mad about dog poop. Um, might be time for a perspective change. Or maybe bring a bag yourself and just... 
just change the temperature of the world by picking it up even though it wasn't your dog. Like that's what a person that's living in abundance would do actually. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring some bags and some gloves. <laughs> Maybe a shovel, thanks Joe. Remember Psalm 118, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I know that sounds a little cliche, you know, it's not like if you grew up in a certain evangelical culture, there's a song that's running through your mind right now that's not a good song. It's very annoying. It's very, the, the, the tune is not friendly. Not sure why I'm doing this, but. But this is the day that the Lord has made. God made today. And that's what you have. You get today. So what are you going to do with today? How are you going to treat people today? How are you going to treat yourself today? I mean, this is a revolutionary question, gang. How are you going to do today? In, in, in the fall, we experience loss. And there's just no cliches that are going to help loss feel less painful. I remember doing a funeral for Mary's uh, little niece. And um, she was five. And it was a tragedy. And, you know, when you do that kind of funeral, you really know, like, you've you got to be very careful with what you say. So this is what I said. Um, I re- remembered it and pulled it up. I said, we've come together to celebrate Ellie's life, to mourn her passing. I'd like to begin by granting everyone permission, permission to feel exactly what you actually are feeling right now, not what you think you should be feeling. You do not have to pretend that you're doing better than you are. We can give each other that gift today, the gift of honesty. God is big enough to hear our questions, our fears, our sadness, even our anger, and to be with us in all of those emotions exactly as we are and not as we should be, even if you're numb today. And that is the hope we have, that God is for us and not against us, especially when we're in pain. This hope is grounded not in how we feel about God today or tomorrow, but in how God feels about us. That's what it's grounded in. So you need to remember Romans 8, 38 and 39. Listen to all the words here. For I am convinced, Paul writes, that neither death, starts with death, not even death can separate us from God, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, that's spiritual powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's something to say, like, that's something to celebrate even in loss. Even if you can't feel that, The truth is God holds you because there is no outside of inside. You are inside of God's love and God's care and God's embrace. There is no distance you can run to outrun it. If you believe in the words of Romans, Paul was a fairly good theologian. (laughs) I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we stand on. That's how we can give each other freedom in Christ. 
because we stand in that. No matter what else is true, that is true. Amen? We're secure in the love of Christ. So every of these days of creation, we're on day four now, we've associated it with one value that Genesis has. So today I want to highlight the value of rhythms. That's one of our seven core values, rhythms. This is what we write. We honor the Sabbath, we follow the lectionary, and we're learning spiritual practices. We're countercultural in how we create space to hear from God in our lives and in our worship gatherings. That's why we do the awkward minute of silence every week. <laughs> we follow the seasons of the church calendar, finding daily, weekly, and yearly rhythms that help us stay rooted in the story of God. So as you go through the, sea, the, the, the cycle of days one through three, light out of darkness, being expanded and bursting forth with life, you're going to find yourself in the seasons of waiting, of hoping, of abundance, and of loss. And the invitation is, can you live into those, the season in which you find yourself, remembering what you need to remember so that you can move forward with God where God is leading you and calling you? And that is a counter cultural invitation. Everything else in our world is saying buy into the system where you can get everything right now and you don't have to wait for anything. And if you feel a sense of loss, you can numb it by any number of things. And abundance is all there is. The word of the Lord today says, let there be seasons. Let there be set times, sacred feasts where you live in the season that you're in, but you don't do it alone. You do it together. Amen? Let's go into uh, silence, 60 seconds, where we can open our hearts up to maybe, maybe hear something that God has for us, and then I'll lead us into the silence and prayers of response. So come, Lord Jesus, speak to us now.